Well, it's Robert. Thank you so much for tuning in to the fourth episode of the Blue Planet Show, which I'm producing right here in my home office in the garage. It's all about wing foiling. I interview athletes, designers, thought leaders in the sport of wing foiling, all about wing foiling, but also about whatever else they're doing and uh, just trying to get to know them a little bit better and talk about life in general. I've been really enjoying meeting all these people and talking more in depth a longer format so if you don't have enough time to watch the whole thing on video you can also listen to it on the podcast of course on apple or android devices just look for the blue planet show do a little search and should come up and you can listen to it while you're driving or doing other things but watching on video is great because we i share like um, some video and photos and uh, so on so it's easier to visualize i'm a very visual learner so i like um, seeing what what we're talking about and i really appreciate all the great feedback we've been getting i know it's such a small group of people in the world that are into wing foiling but everyone's super enthusiastic and i love getting comments like this one wow when i saw the interview was 90 minutes long i groaned at the end i didn't want it to stop you guys were fantastic what a great conversation it was so interesting to hear alan's background and about the early days of wing foiling Thank you so much for putting this together. A must listen for all the addicts. Thanks so much. That's a great comment. Love it. Keeps me going for sure. And I got actually two great shows coming up. Today's show is with Annie Reichert, who's an amazing young athlete, 19 years old from Maui. And we talk about her doing crazy backflips, big wave wipeouts at Jaws, growing up in Maui, wing foiling tricks, foil gear, dealing with the pandemic and you know how to live a good life and those are the things i talk like talking about with people not just wing foiling but life in general and you know how how to live your best life and just getting to know them a little bit better on a personal level too so the next show is going to be with rob whittle he's a co-founder and head designer at ozone so i ask him a lot of questions about the new wasp v2 wing and then also we talk about some big news from Armstrong Foils, where he's also a partner and helps with the design and uh, technology. So really interesting stuff if you're into the gear. And then also he's just a super cool guy. And we just had a great conversation about life and the pandemic and just living a good life. And without further ado, here is Annie Reichert from Maui. Annie Reichert, welcome to the Blue Planet Show. And how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for uh, having me on. Yesterday, we had some really heavy floodings here on Oahu, and my friend's house on the North Shore got flooded, and I, I read on, on Maui, you had some pretty heavy rains, too. What happened there? Yeah, no, it was crazy. I had just gotten back the night before from a trip. Uh, I just flown in, and I woke up the next morning, and it was just torrential downpours all over Maui, and yeah, unfortunately, Haiku, like the North Shore of Maui, got hit super hard, and I had a couple of friends whose houses got swept away, and just a lot of damage, which was so unfortunate, especially for the Haiku community. Yeah, it was oh, a very uh, unexpected turn of events when I got home, but currently, like, the ocean is just completely chocolate-colored. It's about as brown as it can possibly get, mm. but yeah, I'm hoping everybody can recover as soon as possible, and that the rains let up for a couple of days. <laughs> Yeah. So you just got back from a, a, a ski or snowboard trip on the mainland. Mm -hmm. You missed about yeah. two weeks of really good winds here. <laughs> I know. That's what everyone was saying. I think the waves were um, subpar, but the wind I heard was just like off the charts. Incredible. I'm sure for you guys on Oahu, it was crazy too, but it was nice. I haven't been off Maui in a while. So getting to go and enjoy the cold weather, which is such a kind of different turn of events from here was really fun. And it was nice to get back in the snow because I haven't, I don't think I've snowboarded in two or three years. So it was super enjoyable. And you went to Jackson Hole, you said? Yeah. Yeah. It was incredible. I was with a bunch of friends that were at like a much higher level than I was. So getting to go and follow them around and progress at a much quicker rate was really exciting. Yes. It wasn't like incredible snow, but we had beautiful sunny conditions, which honestly I think was almost, it was worth it just because it was, you know, so nice out every day we were spending time on the mountain. My second interview on the show was with Baltz Muller, and he thought that you're going to be the first female to land a backflip <laughs> on a wing and that I should interview you. So I thought that was a great idea. And so that thanks for coming on the show. And but talk a little bit about this, like this, you, I guess you're trying to backflips on strapped in. I messed around, I messed around with wing backflips and just with prone backflips like this. And I think I got pretty close to the winging one and then I ended up popping all of my wings and then 
winter rolled around. So I, I took a little break from that and focused more on the big wave slash surfing side of things. And I'm excited to bring it back for the summer. And then, yeah, I was out, this is this day, this video, I was out with Jeffrey Spencer. I think he's like the backflip king of winging. And I had the opportunity to go out with him and we were just messing around, toe surfing. And then we also brought out a foil, which was really fun. And I got to try that, which is, it's really cool because that just gives you the opportunity and you can just put yourself in the perfect spot, especially when you have, we were using a jet ski in that picture. He towed me out and then I let go and did a backflip off the waves. So that was really fun because I think It'll also help my riding when it comes to the winging too, just because I had so many opportunities to practice that over and over again. And I didn't land at that session because the jet ski started to run out of gas. So we had to head back to the harbor, but I'm really hoping I get the chance to go out there and try that again soon when the wind lets up and the rain kind of subsides. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I have some friends who are doing it, like just pumping back out and then doing flips off the waves going back out, pumping back out, which I find amazing. I, I can't even imagine doing that. But yeah, getting pulled in by the jet ski definitely um, helps. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I've tried a little bit of the pumping back out in the backflips. And I think it's yeah, it's a lot harder than it looks. These guys that do it, they just make it look so effortless, but it's just so crucial to be at like the most critical part of the wave when you're, you know, ready to like turn and spin and yeah, like lining up and making sure I've gotten pretty close a couple times, pretty much just like right under it and just barely face plant. But yeah, I think mm -hmm. hopefully it'll all come together and I'll be able to figure that out eventually. The summers, that's the goal, I think. Yeah, it looks like you're getting really close. And then I guess you're good friends with Jeffrey Spencer. He makes it look so effortless when he does those backflips, right? Yeah, no, it's amazing to be out in the water with, yeah, all those guys, Jeffrey, Kai, Finn, his little brother. It's amazing just to be able to watch them because they make it look so effortless. I'm like, why can't I do that? You guys make it look so easy. Yeah, yeah so it's encouraging so I, to be with Have them they given you any pointers so on how... Oh, yeah. Sorry, we have a little bit have. of a delay. So talking over each other a little bit. Sorry about that. But yeah. So what are some pointers they've given you to try a backflip with the wing? I think with the wing, I think it's pretty interesting. Jeffrey has a really different technique to Kai versus like balls. There's all these different guys. They have really different styles in it. But Right. Some of the technique and advice Jeffrey's given me is just to bring your front hand or like your top hand in and really set your line. And I think it's like the ballerina spin theory, which is when you're turning, so you don't get dizzy. Like you want to like keep your head and then like at the last second move it. So you keep your like center of gravity aligned. And he said it was kind of like a sim like similar thing with the wing, just so you don't get like super disoriented. And yeah, he gave me some other great tips. And I think definitely when I try it again, I'm going to need to go back to him for some more and he's going to need to come and coach me and help me along so he can yell at me if I'm doing it right or wrong or not that's interesting yeah I was wondering about that because I've been I haven't attempted it yet but my friend Daniel is doing them and or attempting them and he always seems to like on the way up loses his board comes feet come out of the straps and the board goes yeah. flying and then everything comes on top of you know the board falls on top of him basically on the wing mm -hmm. so it's scary but I know like Zane Schweitzer he throws his head back like he just really throws himself backwards And then I think, yeah, Jeffrey Spencer looks more like he's keeping his head. And then at the, once he's like halfway through the rotation, then he looks for the landing with his heads, different ways of doing it. But yeah, I guess you just have to be committed to, to making that rotation. I think that's like the, honestly, the biggest part. Yeah. It's all about the yeah. commitment. Cause yeah, when I was first trying it, I'd get like halfway through and then get really like freaked out and just bail and end up back flopping and the foil would come down on top of me. And so I think it's honestly like the safest way to do it is just to go as big as you can and just fully commit to that, to that backflip, which is a really intimidating yeah. thing to try and figure out. And I'm still trying to master it myself. <laughs> I know it's, it's so impressive that, that you're trying it anyways, but so you have tried it with the wing as well. I have. Yeah, I've yeah. tried it and I have some really funny pictures and videos that one day the world will need to see, but yeah, it, it was, it's really fun. because it was right after Jeffrey got it. And I think everybody saw that video of him doing a backflip and they were like blown away. And I was too. And I was like, Jeffrey, you need to teach me how to do this. And it was really cool. Yeah. And I have yet to actually do it fully and ride out of it. So I'm excited to pick that back up hopefully when the waves die down and the summer months come on us oh did you mention that you had some pictures on your phone that you can share um... here's one of me trying them i don't know if you guys can see that oh wow yeah. yeah so i got upside down but i didn't make it much further than that and there's some videos that's yeah what... 
happened to my friend too. And when I saw him do that a couple of times, I was like, oh my God, I can see how I I heard that the Spencer brothers destroyed all their wings uh, when at first when they practiced them there. So yeah. I guess no, it's guess good for it's the, not gentle on the equipment or the people when you're trying it. I will give you yeah, that. <laughs> I'm sure. And probably wearing a helmet is a good idea. Do you, do you ever wear a helmet? In, the, in those videos, I actually was. Usually when I'm just normally winging, it always I feel like it throws off my balance and I don't. But in that situation, I definitely watched Jeffrey attempt it and come some near close foil collisions. So I wore a helmet just to be safe. And I definitely think it was it felt good to have it on it just made me feel like more confident and more yeah ready to attempt it awesome but yeah i wanted to actually start with just telling tell us more about your background and like how you grew up and and things like that yeah like, yeah start from the beginning i'm born and raised on maui i've always been like gravitated towards being a super outdoorsy kid my parents always raised my bro- i have a little brother named miles my parents always raised my brother and i to be super involved in sports and all that stuff and i started surfing on the front of my parents board when i was two or three i believe i used to wear like floaties on my arms and go out there and they'd hold me on the front as we were just catching like tiny white water and Yeah, I think I've had this super deep connection from the ocean from a young age. My dad was always super active and he loved the ocean. So I think it was like a natural progression for me. And yeah, also just like growing up on Maui, I do live on an island. We're surrounded by ocean. So it is a natural progression to end up doing some sort of water sport or or at least spending time in the water. And for me growing up, I did all sorts of different sports like soccer and volleyball and all those. And and then when I got more into surfing and then I discovered stand-up paddling, that was where I decided I was like, wow, like maybe this is something I can do more than just for fun. Maybe I could compete in this because I always did like surf contests as a little kid growing up and they were so fun, but it was more just what you did in Hawaii. It was just, if you're a part of the surfing community, you'd go down and spend all weekend competing. And it was just a fun thing for the kids and the families. And then yeah, when I did discover sub surfing, and that was right when Kai had gotten into it, it was like the pinnacle of uh, everything at that point. That's when I really fell in love with it. And I realized that I wanted to do this more than just for a fun pastime. And I started competing in that. And I traveled around for a while and in sub surfing and sub racing. And then I got involved in the downwinding side of things. And the channel crossings, which honestly is still one of my favorite things. It's amazing to be able to be in the middle of a channel and cross something as treacherous as one of the, the Hawaii channels, which has such kind of like a great history around it. And Did the Molokai race and what was that 2018? Yeah, that was, I foiled it. Yeah. I've done it twice, I believe. For 2017 was... and 18, probably. And I guess before. Yeah, was... yeah. I think or it was 18, maybe 19. 18 and 19, I think. Right. Yeah, I was so excited to do it again. And I'm hoping that if everything is willing and that we'll be able to do it again this summer too. So tell us about that. Were you able to fly on the foil most of the way across or was it a lot of up and down where you had to restart a lot or like how was that whole experience? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I think the first year I ever did it, I actually or the first year I ever did it on the foil, I went there with the intention of paddling it on my 14 foot setboard. I had just learned how to downwind foil. I'd only been doing it for two months before that. And I'd only done like a couple Maui runs. I don't even think I'd done a Harbor run yet, which is like about 10 miles on Maui. And so I didn't think I was prepared. I was, I was super intrigued at this new sport, but I didn't really think that I was going to attempt to foil it. And then I got a call from Kai right before the race and he's like, I think you need to foil it. And of course I was incredibly tempted and I brought all my foil stuff and I decided the night before that I was going to foil it. And that was amazing. That year, I believe I came off foil probably eight or nine times, which how things have progressed, which just seems like a crazy number. And then the second year I ended up just coming down, I fell once. And then the rest of the time I was up and foiling wow, and it was really, that's... really that's amazing. Yeah, that it was really off once. Yeah, compared to Kai and Jeffrey and all those guys, I think they didn't even fall. But for me, it was such a big improvement from the year before that it just was amazing. And I think the most taxing part of downwind foiling is getting back up. It's like the it's like the more you fall, the more tired you're gonna get, and the more taxed you are. So it was even easier for me than the previous year, just because I also spent a lot less time on the surface of the water and a lot more time gliding across the channel too, which was 
awesome. And it was really fun too, to like work on improving equipment over the year and dialing in the downwinding equipment. Cause I think it was such a new sport the first year that M2O happened with foils. And then the amount of progression that happened between that one year was really cool too. So I'm excited and looking forward to doing it again, hopefully in the come, coming years, hopefully this summer, but we'll see. Yeah. So what, what about the very end, but once you get close to Portlock point, like, <laughs> I guess then you, you hit the offshore winds and stuff like that, but like how far did you get before you dropped off the foil? Yeah, it was, it, that was brutal. I think at that point I was so ready to be like done at that. I was just head down completely, completely in my zone, just going for it. And I didn't make it that far in. I know Kai, I think like pumped like halfway through the bay, which just Sorry. seems like the craziest thing, but I, I made it probably like 30 seconds inside the offshore wind. And then I didn't link up with any bumps or any wind. And then I ended up just paddling on my stomach the rest of the way, which definitely at that point, I'm like, I've made it this far. I can keep going. Come on. But it just feels like such a crazy, crazy feat at that point too. Oh, here's some video of Jaws. I guess it would be a shame not to talk about it. Oh, th th this is you getting ragdolled at, at Jaws. Yeah, I do tend to faceplant a lot, I've noticed. <laughs> this is a very funny video of me. Funny? It looks scary. <laughs> Wait, yeah, me, I think in the moment it definitely wasn't funny, but I think hindsight now that I watched the video, I'm like, wow, I'm glad I survived through that. I yeah. think, yeah, when I did first originally fall, it was like, I didn't think I was going to get sucked over the falls. Everything was going great, and a guy ended up going in front of me, and it just threw me off a little bit. And then I hit a bump and um, that's you right there, crying. right? That's me. And then I popped back up. Actually, I got a breath in and I felt okay. And I didn't think I was going to get sucked over the falls at all. And then I just, I made eye contact with someone in the channel. And then I ended up just, I felt this like sucking feeling and getting like stuck at like the top of a wave at Jaws is just one of the most like terrifying feelings I think you can, you can go through as a human. And then I slowly felt it sucking me over and I realized what was happening and I got one big breath in and then held on for dear life. But it was pretty funny, just the turn of events. Cause I think the video itself is just, you see my little head slowly going yeah. into oblivion and yeah, here's um, your I actually getting a breath. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. That was my one last breath. And I think I realized, like I realized what was happening. Um, Did you wear one of those vests with the air where you can pull the air chambers or whatever? Yeah, so pretty much everybody now at this point has has one of those on out there. It's something I think it's, if you don't want it to be the only thing out there keeping you safe and keeping you alive, you really want to rely on training to do all that. But it is something that's so helpful to have just because it does give you that extra bit of um, protection out there. And I did end up pulling my vest on that one. It definitely helped me pop up a bit more. And then I came up smiling. I honestly came up laughing because of the entire situation, because I had survived something so crazy. And then also just because of everything that happened, I tomahawked down a wave, went over the falls and came up. And I had a great tow partner who was ready to grab me the second I popped up, which was great too. Who Who's your tow partner when you go on towing? At Jaws. Yeah. So a lot of the time at Jaws, it's someone named Nano. He's an amazing, he's actually a tattoo artist from Maui. He's an amazing tattoo artist and he's done a lot of water safety at Jaws in the past. And I'm lucky enough to have him in my corner for when the waves get big. And then a lot of the time when it's smaller and we're not at Jaws, I'll either go tow with Jeffrey Spencer or my good friend, Ridge Lenny. We spend a lot of time on that Maui outer reefs and get to enjoy that, which is so fun just because you get to surf with pretty much just friends and catch endless waves and you don't have to paddle back out. And I think that's probably one of my favorite things to do when the winter months are upon us, just because it's so awesome to be out there and share a lineup with just a couple other people. Yeah. And having the jet ski just makes it feel a lot safer too, always because it's, I don't know why the sound always comes on. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, just having the jet ski makes it feel a lot more safe and you always have someone that can pick you up again. But, but yeah, I can only imagine. So at, on that wipeout that we were watching, did you pull mm -hmm. the ripcord or did you um, just come back up without it? I did end up pulling the ripcord or the cord. Yeah. Just because yeah. I, I got so like initially like tomahawk down the wave. I'm sure as you saw in that video and yeah. I had so many somersaults that I was already at that point. So in shock and out of breath that I felt like I should just play it safe and pull to make sure that I popped up as quick as possible. And then 
It's also a thing where the quicker you pop up, even if you can handle the hold down, the more energy you're going to have and the less taxed you're going to feel. So for me, it's almost like saving myself and giving myself energy for the remainder of the session too. And I had enough cartridges in my vest that I was able to pull and pop back up. And although the wipeout was scary, it wasn't quite as bad as I initially thought. So it was, it was all good in the end. And it, an interesting story came out of it too. Was that the worst wipeout you ever had or have you had worse ones? I don't know. I think visually that was definitely the worst wipeout I've ever had, but I think I've probably, I, in the Jaws contest last year, I fell on my first wave and I think that was probably a worse wipeout, but it all blends together after a while. I think that was definitely the most visually uh, exciting and crazy to look at. You did the paddle in contest at Jaws. So tell us about that. I think for me, probably to date, that was one of the best days of my life. I've always dreamed of surfing Jaws since I was a little girl. I've gone down to watch it with my dad. We've hiked down to the cliff. And I honestly like never, I didn't ever know if I really would have the opportunity to get out there and if I'd had the chance. And so when that day came and I got the call and I was asked if I wanted to compete in that event, it was a dream come true. And it was a magical experience. And I think it was typical Maui fashion. It was incredibly windy and the conditions were crazy and hectic, but being out there and sharing a lineup with just a couple other people at a wave like that is so incredible. And then the fact that I was, I got pounded, I survived. And then I also was able to complete a ride and pull off in the channel was one of the best feelings ever. So yeah, I'm so fortunate that I had that opportunity and I came in third, I believe in that event. And I'm really looking forward to hopefully getting to compete in that again. And yeah, and giving it all I got because it was so amazing to be out there in that lineup and I'm excited to return to that. Yeah, it seems like you're just getting started too because like, how, how old are you now? I'm 19. Yeah, you're still a kid. So <laughs> well, <laughs> young lady, I should say. But yeah, it's awesome that you're at your age already. I think at the, that time, you were probably 18 or yeah, I was 18, yeah, 17 or 18, that you're already charging waves like that. So, uh, you know, paddle, paddling in nonetheless. So yeah, you know, how do you compare? How would you compare like paddling into the wave versus getting towed into it? Yeah, I think it's such a, it's a very different kind of thing because with the towing, you have so much more control initially just because you're towed into the wave before it even breaks and you have a lot more time to prepare. But I think with the paddling, it's also so different because you're alone out there. Like you don't have a jet ski coming to tow you into the wave. It's up to you to choose the waves that you're paddling on. It's up to you to get yourself in those positions. And so I think they're two really different things. When it is super windy, it's really nice to have the option to tow on Maui. And when you do have the rare opportunity to paddle out there, it's a whole other thing. Cause I think it's just that much more rewarding when you can paddle yourself alone into a wave like that and pull off into the channel. It's an incredible feeling, no matter how small the wave is, just being out in that lineup and being able to successfully complete a ride out there is it's really cool. So I think, yeah, to answer your question, it's definitely really different, but both of them have their own really amazing kind of different aspects. So the, this situation looks like a nightmare. Jaws <laughs> bearing, like being right in the impact zone and the wave coming down right almost right on top of your head. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. the wipeout I was talking about earlier. That was that one definitely, it, it rattled me a little bit, but it was really fun to come out the other side and be okay. And yeah. I ended up getting more pounded. I think I fell on the first wave of the set. And then I have a friend out there who always tells me never go on the first wave of the set. And of course I went on the first wave of the set, which is that wave. And I ended up getting more pounded by the second wave than I was like, I initially got by the first wave, which. Yeah. I it looks like the first one you were the kind of inside the barrel. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But I learned my lesson the hard way and now I know, but yeah, that was definitely an experience. You're brave. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, I guess this show is supposed to be about wing foiling, but I, you're doing, you're doing so many different sports that I just want to touch base a little bit about the, the other sports you do too. But so yeah, tell us about downwind foiling. Do you do it mostly, I guess you still doing mostly with a paddle or do you also do just prone prone foiling on, on a prone board. I love downwind foiling. It's super cool. I think I was so into sup downwinding without a foil for the longest time. And 
adding a foil to the mix is just like the dream scenario because you're going that much faster and you have that much more ability and kind of to move around through the ocean and fully take advantage of the bumps. And so for the most part, being on Maui and doing a Maliko run, I'm so used to having a paddle in my hand that we will use a paddle most of the time just because when you do paddle out of Maliko Gulch, which is where 99% of the time we launch our downwinders from. There aren't really waves to catch with a prone board and you can dock start and pump off from flat water, but it does make it a lot harder. And so usually I'll use a paddle just because I'm used to having one. It doesn't add that much more equipment for me. And I know occasionally if you can, if the waves are big enough, you can catch little waves and do shorter downwinders. But I think you can also go out a lot farther when you have a paddle too, just because in the event that you do fall, I can just pump myself up pretty much anywhere I need to be, which also it adds a level of security too. I think there's part of it when you don't use a paddle, it's it's exciting and it adds a level of uncertainty. If you do fall, you just you have, don't have the option to, but when you do have a paddle, you have more freedom to take risks and work on doing turns and going faster versus playing it safe. Yeah, awesome. There's a pretty big group of guys here on Oahu now doing just uh, downwinders on their prone boards, but they, they stay closer to the surf. So if they do fall in, they can paddle back and, and just get started in, with some white, white washer or on, on an inside breaking wave versus trying to start on the, in the open ocean, which is yeah super hard, I'm sure. We've seen, I've seen videos of Dave Kalama just like paddling in on, on a long prone board with the, those paddles on his hands and <laughs> it's like uh, powering himself into the waves, but that looks incredibly hard really. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's actually, that is like completely, it's amazing too. I actually saw his son, Austin Kalama, who's an incredible foiler, wing foiler, big wave surfer, et cetera. And I saw that Dave was using those hand planes to downwind foil and Austin was actually using them at Jaws, which was really cool and a wild theory because you can just get into the wave so much earlier. So I'm really curious to see what the two of them are going to do with those hand planes because they're, I don't think they've been used a whole lot in the ocean sports world, but it'll be cool to see where they go. And yeah, the fact that Dave can get up without a paddle, like it certainly is really exciting. And I'm curious to try it one day just to see, because I think at, at that point, the sky's the limit. So it'd be cool to mess around with that. Yeah, awesome. Me doing a downwinder with some friends. It's been really fun to see the progression of foiling. And I think at first it was just wind sport people and got a little bit of everybody, but now there's so many different people coming from so many different sports. And I used to never be able to do downwinders with certain friends. And now I have people, I have some good friends who are professional kiters and they've gotten into wing foiling and now we can all go on downwinders together. And it's really fun. It opens up so many new possibilities for everybody in the water sports world. So think it's really exciting that this is caught on as much as it's caught on and I hopefully it continues to progress as much as it's progressing at this point. Yeah super impressive what you're doing Annie. Actually yeah maybe tell us a little bit about your technique when for jumping. Can you give some pointers on jumping like how you do the takeoff and like just walk us through a jump? Yeah well on, I on think- the wing board. Yeah, I think equipment is super crucial in these moments because if you're on a huge clunky board, it's going to be a lot harder to get yourself up and going or at least out of the water with the board. I think up and going, it'll be easier. So I think making sure that you're on a smaller prone board is super, super nice and having a wing that you're fully powered up on. I pretty much all the time, unless I am trying backflips or something, or I, it's crazy windy, I'll use a four meter. I don't ever go smaller most of the time. And so for me, I think like the biggest technique thing is really just knowing how to use that foil and the edge back rail of your board to your advantage. As you can see, usually I keep my upper body going just straight like sidewind, and then I'll bring my lower body and my legs and I'll um, throw them upwind at the very last second. You can see it how I drive my board into the wind and drive my board like up a bump. And that's what really gets the foil to launch out of the water and really gets that like final pop. And then it also lets you stretch your body out too, which kind of gets you prepared for the landing. Because sometimes if you get all hunched up in a ball, it's a lot harder to land versus if you're spread out and you let the wind bring everything back together and back in place at the right moment, it really seals the deal. So. That's how I do it at least. And it also helps you because sometimes if you do jump, just going straight downwind, you end up getting a lot of momentum downwind and it makes it a lot harder to, to land successfully versus if you do use those, those swells and bumps to your advantage, it can help you get that initial release from the water. 
I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how yeah. I do it at least in my yeah, mind. No, I, I totally agree. That's what I always tell people too, is like probably the most important thing is to really turn upwind when, yeah. before you take off, because that, that having that upwind momentum lets you hang in the wing a lot more than because if you go jump straight with sideways to the wind, you lose the pressure in the wing and you don't get that up, upwards lift. So super mm -hmm. important to really carve into the wind before the before you take off yeah most definitely i think that's probably one of the most crucial aspects of it and then i've also found that once i am in the air this was something that i learned with lots of hard landings but once you are up in the air you really want to like sheet in with the wing so that you hold and you don't just free fall out of the air but you pull in with your i think your right hand if you're going in but just your lower hand you pull in with the wing just so it does capture more wind so you don't end up just completely dropping out of the sky but it's more of just a gentle float down to the water yeah you use your wing almost like a parachute when you're coming down so you're coming exactly down yeah softly or gently slowing your fall as much as possible right yeah no those are good pointers let's talk a little bit about equipment for for winging have you you have the new wasp uh, v2 wing mm-hmm so can you yeah, tell I us just, about that versus the original Wasp um, wing? Yeah, I just recently actually started using the V2. In all of these videos, I believe they're all, I haven't, you know, posted anything with the V2 because it's yet to come out. But yeah, I'm really excited about the progression and the direction that Ozone's taking it in. It's super exciting. I think from everything that I've tried, it's by far the favorite wing that I've, I've ridden so far. And it's really cool. Just the V1 and the V2, both of them, it's, they're really good in all sorts of different types of conditions. Cause I feel like certain wings I've tried, they really thrive in light wind conditions or they're really good enough or in like absolutely nuking wind. But with this, it's really cool. Cause I feel like it's, it's really good in both types of wind. So whether it's barely windy enough and you use a five meter or you go on your three meter cause it's nuking 35, 40 knots, the entire range can handle completely different line and range of wind, which is super cool. And I think the adjustments that they've made from the V1 to the V2 were just those final touches needed to really seal the deal and make it, in my opinion, one of the best wings out there. And I think it's definitely the one that I would choose to ride whether or not I was sponsored by them or not. And yeah, I'm really excited for kind of everybody to get to try it and to hear everybody's thoughts. They added some really cool new additions that are super exciting and some new windows so it's easier to see some different handle placements and yeah and overall just the shape it just makes it a lot more agile and responsive and you're just in control that much more so I think if you have the opportunity to get your hands on one it would be really fun to try yeah we, we're getting a bunch soon where they're supposed to be shipping I think in a week or two we're supposed to get mm -hmm. them in, in our shop so I'm definitely uh, eager to try it, but like visually, is there a difference in the width of the wing or the size of the leading edge or what's changed and how is the handling different than the V1? Yeah, they actually, they added a window, which is great because I think you're always riding blind without it. So now you're going to be able to so, see through and make sure. Yeah. So actually regarding the window, would you say having a window is an advantage? Is that something that you appreciate having? Or do you feel like it's not really necessary? I guess that's one of those debates that are people are having. Yeah, because I think like with an added window, you do sacrifice certain materials that have to be used, et cetera, et cetera. But I think for the overall kind of a sacrifice you'd have to make, I think it is totally worth having just because there's a lot less, less likely chance you're going to run over one of your friends that way because you can see what direction you're heading in. So personally, I think it's a great addition and it's not the entire wing is in clear plastic. So it really doesn't affect the, the riding ability at all. It just does add something and it makes you that much more comfortable. And I got pretty accustomed to not having it. So the fact that it is there now, I don't have to lift up my wing to see where everybody is. And if I'm going to run someone over, it's, it's really nice and convenient too. And then I think yeah, some of the new aspects, they have changed the shape a little bit, but I think technically, like in the technical and tech specs of it all, like they've added to that, you pump up the center strut and the leading edge separately, which is really cool because I think I had multiple occasions where I would pop a wing or break it and you're swimming home with a completely deflated wing versus if you do end up popping one part of it that way, 
it's going, one part of it'll stay deflated, which is great. And it makes it a lot easier for you to make it in with your wing and hopefully uh, fix it too. So yeah, I'm excited to see everybody get out there and try it out and see everybody's different theories and ideas on it. But I think they've, they're continuing to progress swinging as a whole, which is exciting. Yeah, I like having two separate valves too, because yeah, before you always had to push the air out of the center strut and then it takes yeah. forever yeah, to get all the air out. And then, and then yeah, you're like push the wing back on the beach. Yeah, not, not that easy. That, that's cool. What foils do you use? And, and tell us about the foils and, the, and then the boards, but foils first. Yeah, I, I have the opportunity. I ride for MFC and for the Hydrofoil company. And the relationship between the two, the Hydrofoil company is, it's an R&D company. So they don't really mass manufacture anything. And then MFC manufactures it for the Hydrofoil company. And I pretty much use the Hydros foils for 90% of the riding that I'm doing. And I think for me, like, it's really amazing to get to ride on all of them just because they are, they're an incredibly versatile set of foils, whether you want to go toe foiling, which in that backflip video, that's what I was riding. I have an 1,000 wing that I use. That's probably the foil I use the most out of all of these. That's what I use for winging. That's what I use for toe foiling. And then when it gets into the more surf foiling side of things, I will use a little bit bigger foil, which is usually between the 1075 Hydra's foil or the, or the 1250 Hydra's foil. And then when I do downwinders, if I'm not using something that's been custom built by the hydrofoil company and that's a high aspect foil, if I'm just going out to mess around, I'll use the 1400 hydros foil because that's also, it's also great for downwinding and it, it adds that little bit extra lift with the bigger size, but it's still totally maneuverable when you are downwinding and navigating through the bumps. So wing wise, yeah, it's really nice to have a foil set up like that, where you can just switch out the front wings and the sizes and it's still very similar riding, but it really does handle such a wide variety of foils. And I'm, I'm excited to see what these companies get up to next. And how they continue to progress foiling. And then as for the masks, which I think that varies for me quite a bit, I usually go back and forth between an 80 centimeter and a 70 centimeter mast, unless I'm towing in bigger waves and then I'll go up to something longer, like a 90 or maybe a hundred, but that doesn't happen most of the time. When I'm winging, so like in this video, for example, I use an uh, 80 just because it does give me that extra level of kind of support and you're able to gain so much more speed without having to watch for popping out of the water. And it just, it adds that level of insurance almost that you do have more time to react if it feels like your foil is going to pop out of the water. And then when I'm jumping too, I feel like it does help me uh, gain speed and get me more momentum when I am about to jump too. And then when I'm down when foiling, I use an 80 again. It does make it a little bit harder to pop out of the water just because your foil's under the water a little farther, but in the long run, it really gives you the ability to jump bumps a little bit easier and not have to risk popping out of the water. And then when I'm just surf foiling for fun and small waist high waves, I will use the 70 mass just because I think risking hitting the reef a hundred times in one session is it's not worth it. So I'll use the 70 and that just, it really gives you the ability to turn and carve like you're on a shortboard almost like this. So I think that's also a really good reason to use a 70 when you're in smaller waves. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, good uh, summary. I noticed that like when I used for winging for a while, I used a one meter mask for winging, mm -hmm. which it is nice going over chop and stuff like that, but you do give up. It just feels more tippy a little bit. And then also for jumping, it's it just, you're, it's just a longer way out of the water and it just, yeah. I, I like, yeah, 80 or 90 seems to be a sweet spot for winging for me too. Mm -hmm. but and then yeah obviously for surfing or anytime you're in, in a shallower area then it's nice to have something a little bit shorter too yeah it saves <laughs> your foil and for the reefs and the turtles underneath you <laughs> yeah what about the what about the tail have you played around with the tail wings and different shins and stuff like that can you maybe um tell us what you 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 learned from playing around with the tail wings yeah, definitely. I've, I've messed around with pretty much a little bit of everything. I think my favorite tail wing I use right now is the 225 MSC wing. It's a great, it works for everything. I use it for downwinding, for winging, for surf foiling. And then also if I do want to go a little bit more aggressive or I'm going in bigger waves, I'll use the 200, 
which is a little smaller and it just adds such an like addition of turning and maneuverability in the foil, which is really fun too. And then I think for me, what I've recently been experimenting the most with, which is super exciting, is the lengths of the fuselage. So usually like when I first started winging and getting into all this and I'd use a 63 centimeter fuselage and then I slowly got shorter and I went to a 58 which was really fun. And it just adds, it does make the foil a little bit more tippy, but it also adds like a level of responsiveness that I wasn't getting with the 63. And then it also just like when you are in the surf or you are trying to jump and turn up wind at the last second, it really just lets the foil respond to you that much more. And then I recently tried a 53, which is, I think, as short as I've gone so far. And I haven't tried anything different, but I think right now, like that's my favorite setup to ride. I have my... 80 mass with my 1,000 front wing, my 53 fuselage, and then my 225 back wing. I found that that for me works the best just because it does let you carve, even though you are on a longer mass, which sometimes will inhibit your, your turning radius and your ability to turn. It really doesn't honestly affect you that much just because I do have this setup underneath the, the mass that just lets you turn. It feels like you're like surfing on a shoreboard or something. It's really incredible. Super loose. Have you noticed that like you, it's easier to turn when you have a more of an angle on your tailwing, like a, with a more, like more lift angle on the shim? Um, do you, have you played around with the shims at all? I have. Yeah. So I use the red shim, the red or the black shim. Most of the time, I think in the MFC, like line, the white shim is neutral. The black shim is plus one and the red shim is plus two. So the red's like the highest amount of lift you can get. Okay. And I don't yeah. feel a lot of additional turning ability when I switch out the shims. I definitely feel different. It doesn't go as fast when I use the red versus the black or the white. But I think also the foil does tend to be a little bit more jumpy when I use the white and it'll dive a lot faster or it'll do things that aren't quite as expected that I don't want it to do. And so I feel like I have it more in control when I do use the red shim, which is why I predominantly use that. But I haven't yeah, felt not... a lot of effects with the turning, but it's more in the speed and kind of just the control and the lift with it. I've tried the MSC only a few times, but I've noticed like mm -hmm. I was using the white shim and I felt like when I was going into the turn, it almost felt like I wanted to drop. Like you had to, I had to lean back in the turn so it would mm -hmm. stay up, which was yeah. weird to me because most foils tend to lift when you go into the turn. So... Yeah, and did like almost the opposite of what I was expecting. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I can see that probably the more the red or black shim would probably be the one I would use too. Yeah. Okay. And then what about boards? What do you use for um, boards? Yeah, so I'm lucky enough to get to work with KT Surfing. He shapes most of Kai's boards. He shapes the Spencer's boards, Jeffrey and Finn. And it's really cool because I think all of us have given him different parts of advice and he's shaped these incredible foil boards whether um, you are downwinding or you're winging or you're surf foiling he's really mastered the shape and he's made some amazing boards to work with so he's pretty much what I'm using right now not just in the foiling but in the surfing and he's my sole board sponsor at this point which is really exciting and yeah I think for the foiling side of things he's really gotten it all dialed I have for winging and prone foiling, I use the same board. It's a 4.3, I think a 25 liters, I believe, 24, wow. 25 liters. Hmm. Um, so it's pretty small. It definitely Tiny. sinks on me. It, it acts as, it's about the same size as one of my short boards. So it's the same, same amount of liters, just squished into a lot smaller board. And that's, it's amazing. He's added, like, if you flip the board over, I wish I had it and we uh, had it with me right now so I could show you guys. But nice. yeah, if you do end up turning the board over and you get to look at the divots and all of these technical things he's added where he has like a step up where the foil plate is and it really lets you pop your foil out of the water that much easier, which I think is something that certain boards struggle to do because it does feel like the board's almost been suctioned onto the water. And with this, it doesn't feel like that at all. It really feels like it wants to pop out and release and give you all the control that the foil wants to give you as well. And, and yeah, so the amount of progression that I've seen over like the past year with him and these boards and getting to work with Kai and 
everybody into making a, a foil board that performs as well as it performs has been really cool. And I'm excited to see kind of where it continues to grow and go to. And then it's awesome to just have one board that you can use for, for pretty much, yeah, prone foiling and wing foiling pretty much the, yeah. the one board quiver that you can just like put in the back of your car or whatever. And so that's one thing I like about wing foiling how it's how simple it is and how small the equipment is. You don't need to have a huge stand-up paddle race board or whatever like that. Everything fits inside the car and stuff like that. It's pretty nice. Totally, so um, yeah. what, but what about foot straps? Do you use the same foot straps for winging and, and prone foiling or use different straps? Yeah, I have four or five pairs of the same foot strap. I use it for winging, for prone foiling, for toe and surfing in big waves. So pretty much, I feel like just for me, it makes it really easy to be able to rely on just one foot strap and know no matter what sport I'm doing, it's always going to be the same and it's always going to respond to me the same. I don't know the name of it, but they're just like the Dekine foot straps. They're black and white. They're super sturdy. Um, oh, the really fat ones. Yeah. Those, yeah. What are they called again? I forget, but yeah, they don't make them anymore. Unfortunately, we can't like, I, I love those two. I forget what they're called now, but those are great straps. Yeah. Super oh, no way. Yeah, I believe, I think they still might have a couple pairs of haiku cannery. So if you're over here at all, you can go grab <laughs> them. Them before they're gone. <laughs> exactly. But for me, those are my favorite foot straps just because I had a couple of times I tried different ones in the past. And mm -hmm. I felt like when I was prone foiling and I'd lay on them, like I'd pop up to get up on the wave and put my foot feet in the foot straps and they like wouldn't pop back up. They weren't springy enough. So right. like the foot strap would just be pressed to the board and I'd be trying to fit my foot in there and it like wouldn't yeah. work. And then I ended up either spending the entire way figuring that out or falling off. So for me, I think they are pretty stiff and they can be uncomfortable to lay on, but it's worth the sacrifice of having foot straps that are that reliable and that easy to use. So that's pretty much what I use every time I do end up going with foot straps. And occasionally I'll go prone foiling without foot straps just to mess around and just see how many waves I can pump in a row. But yeah, most of the time that's on every foil board I have other than the downwinding. Oh, I was going to ask you, like when you were growing up, do you have an early, like your earliest childhood memory of the ocean where you're like, oh, I, this is so much fun or I love this or like something that you remember about like one of your first memories that where you fell in love with being in the ocean? Yeah. And I think there's quite a few from like different ages, but my family had this thing when I was younger where we'd spend Sundays at the beach. So we called them surf Sundays. And there's a wave on the west side of Maui called Puamana. And that's where I grew up surfing. That's like where I learned to surf. That's where I caught my first wave by myself. And I think it was, I have one vivid memory. It was a day, middle of summer, I think, I believe. I don't know. I was, I think I was probably like three or four at the time. And my parents would do the push and catch strategy, which is like, I'd paddle myself out to the lineup. My dad would be standing in the waves. He'd push me onto a wave. I'd stand up by myself, catch the wave. And then my mom would make sure I didn't go under the shore break and tumble onto the beach. And she'd send me back out to my dad. And there was one day that I remember doing it. And we had ended up, we got a bunch of my other younger friends at the time to come over. And it was just one of the like for me, like one of my earliest memories of loving the water and feeling that joy of not only enjoying it myself, but spending it with other people that I love and, and care for. So I think that for me, like being able to catch waves by myself, or at least being on my own board and being out there with my parents and other friends and family, I think that was for me, like what I remember most vividly and remember falling in love with it from that moment. That sounds awesome. So your parents support your water sports ambitions and stuff. Is that, is this what you want to do as a career or what are your um, goals and plans for you, for you as you grow up? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do this if it weren't for their support. And my mom, my dad, my brother, all of them, they're so supportive with everything. If I ever need help, they drop anything to come and help me, which for me has been a game changer. I wouldn't be doing any of this if it weren't for them giving me the opportunities that they've given me. And I'm so grateful for that. And yeah, I think at this point, it's really hard just with COVID and everything and the way that the world is right now, it's hard to make a plan. And, but for me, if I could have my dream scenario, I want to be doing this as a career for the rest of my life. This is what I love spending time in the ocean. I want to eventually help the ocean and, and give back because it's given me so much and it's fulfilled me so much so far in my life. And yeah, I think if I could choose one thing and if I could choose how I do want to pursue the next 10 years, I want to continue to make myself the best water woman that I can be. I'd love to be the best water woman out there. I'd love to be 
performing at the top level in all of these sports that I'm doing right now. And then I continue to learn other sports too. I really want to get into kiting and windsurfing hopefully too. So I think, yeah, if I could have an ideal scenario, it'd be getting to pursue this for a lifetime and getting to enjoy the water for as long as possible. And yeah, I think I'm trying to set that up. So that's what I have the opportunity to do. And I'd also love, and if eventually that doesn't work out one day, I'd also love to go back to school probably. And I guess we'll see. I'm trying to get my options open, but I do have a goal in mind and I hope that I can achieve it one day. Okay. Talk a little bit about other than water sports. Do you do any other like cross training or do you have any other hobbies and other interests in in life? Yeah. I, I have a couple. I've gotten to mountain biking last summer, actually a lot. So I really love mountain biking. We have some really fun trails on Maui. The Makua Forest is amazing. So getting to do that. And I think that's great cross training because you're biking uphill and then you turn around and go downhill. And that definitely adds a really good cardio workout into my daily active like activity routine. And then Cross training wise, I spend a lot of time running, whether it's on flat ground or on the beach or through sand or whatever. And then I also spend a lot of time in the gym. There's a really cool gym on Maui and I get to work with some of the best athletes there. And it's really fun. We all get, get a great workout in together and not just surfers, every type of athlete or water athlete on Maui that Maui has to offer usually goes to that gym. So spent a lot of time in there and it's really inspiring and it's cool to get to spend time with all of these people that I idolize and look up to. And then like off of all things active, I really love to draw. I think that's one of my biggest like at home passions. If I'm just here and I don't have any work to do and it's been a long day and it's just a nice way for me to decompress. I love to sit down and doodle and draw. And yeah, it's been something I love. It's something fun to travel with too, just because if I'm not reading a book, I can sit down and just sketch something out or draw something. All right. You're an artist, huh? That's awesome. <laughs> so can, can you, can you tell us about a typical day in your life? Like a typical day in the life of Annie? Like, what's it like? What do you do? Yeah. I think right now with winter still being in place, it definitely varies depending on the time of year. But I think if I were to say like right now, a typical day in my life is I'd wake up. I I'm waking up pretty early. I usually wake up around six every morning, which is before the sun comes up and I'll leave my house. Maybe I'll get some, eat some breakfast really fast. I'll leave my house and usually I'll go and check the waves for surfing. And if it looks fun for surfing, I'll go and get a quick session usually with some other friends. And then if it doesn't look ideal for surfing, I'll go for a run just because I feel like I have the opportunity to do all these things and running really helps me even out all of the different things that I do. And sometimes I feel like foiling will make me lopsided because I am just in one stance most of the time and right. running helps me straighten everything out, which is nice. So if the waves aren't amazing, which with Maui, there's definitely quite a few days where it's blown out already or too small, I'll go for a run. And then after that, usually I'll come home. And if there's anything I need to get done on the computer or running errands, et cetera, et cetera, I'll do that. And then usually I try and find time for a couple other sessions through the day. I'll go and check it for downwinding or for winging, maybe another surf session in the evening. And then a lot of afternoons I spend in the gym too. So I think it's all very dependent on the conditions, but a typical day for me is usually three or four sessions on the water and then also enjoying time running or in the gym too, if I'm given the opportunity. That's impressive. Uh, you got a lot of youthful <laughs> energy. You know, one, one of the really cool things about winging that I've noticed is that it seems to be really popular with young kids. Like I'm surprised like how, yeah, how I think a lot with stand-up paddling, a lot of times when kids are into it, it's kind of because their parents that kind of got them into it or bought them the gear and, and are mm-hmm. going with them and stuff like that where as for wing filling, like I recently had a kid come into the shop and I, I don't know, he's like maybe 13 or 14 years old and he had saved up all his money. He came with his dad, but the dad was Aww. like, well, I have nothing to do with this. This is his purchase. He saved up his money and he wants to get a wing because his buddies are doing it and he's been surf foiling. Now he wants to get into wing foiling. And I don't know, just, it seems it's, it is an expensive sport. So it's, it's hard for young kids to get into it, I think, but there seems to be an attraction to it, like almost like skateboarding or something like that, where it's a cool sport versus some of the other like windsurfing and stand-up paddling. I think we're never really that considered cool among young kids. So why why do you think that is? I don't know. I think it's part of the foiling thing, like foiling a couple of years ago really came back into force. And I think all sorts of people love to do it, whether it is a Grom that just learned to surf. I think they're super interested in it versus someone who's been surfing, windsurfing or kiting for 40 plus years, I think 
it really has an attraction for every person who loves being on the water. And I think it's just an extension of that with winging. Kiting and windsurfing are the two main wind sports and they've been around for a long time. And I think with this new rise of winging as like a smaller baby wind sport that's coming up, I think it's caught the excitement of a lot of probably younger kids just because it is so new and fresh. And I think the people who are excelling in the sport, like the Kai Lemmys, and they make it look so high performance and so exciting. And it's something that's um, so new and it's progressing so fast. I think that's probably a big reason why so many kids are getting into it just because it really is. And that's why I started doing it just because it looks so fun and so exciting and something so new that you can't not want to try it. And I think, I I think, and I hope that it'll continue to progress and that kids will continue to get into it because I think they're the future. And if we want this sport to continue to grow, we're going to need all sorts of different generations to be excited about it. And yeah, yeah, that story that you mentioned about the kid coming in and saving up for a wing is really cool because I think that's like something you get from the surfing side of things and the fact that it's continuing into winging and foiling and all that is really cool too. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of young women getting into it or, or girls. What about Amali? Do you see, are you like, do you have any, are you like a role model to other girls that you see out there or what do you see on that side for the females? Yeah, I, I hope to be a role model. That would be amazing. But there's a couple girls here who, yeah, they're improving really fast and they're charging. It's super cool to see. I have a good one of my closest friends whose name is Olivia Jenkins. She's a professional kite surfer and she's incredible. And uh, she's gotten amazing at it. And it's really fun to have someone female at my level and get to go with her. And, and there's a couple other younger girls. There's one girl named Rio on Maui who's absolutely killing it. And it's really cool to see her so into it and so excited about foiling and all the different sizes of wings and also just getting into winging itself. And then, yeah, it has been cool. I've had the opportunity to take a couple girls foiling, not only winging, but foiling and also winging. And yeah, it's cool to see the fire get lit inside them. And I hope that they continue to want to get out there. And I haven't had the opportunity to wing in many other places other than Hawaii and Maui. But I really hope that when I do have the opportunity to go and travel and get out there, that I'll see the same thing, which is other females getting out there and enjoying the sport. Because I think it's for everybody. And if we can all get out there and enjoy the ocean or whatever body of water we're on, that's that's really special. Yeah, awesome. So who do you go out with the most? I know... It's always more fun to go on the water with friends. So who, who's your like group? What's, what's your posse of wing foilers? Yeah, I think probably my most, the people I go with the most is Olivia, my friend that I mentioned, Jeffrey and Finn, I go with, I love um, hanging out with them. They're like my brothers because we went to school together when we were younger. So I've known them forever. One of my closest friends, Ridge, I go out with him all the time. I see Kai out there constantly. I'm sure Katie Maui, Kane DeWild. I go out there and see him out there all the time. So honestly, Maui is such a tight community and especially in the water sports community that pretty much anybody who wing foils on Maui will share sessions constantly. So I think those people are probably some of the people I you know, see the most consistently, but I'm constantly running into people and having fun sessions with, with all sorts of different water sports community people on Maui. So for um, future interviews for this show, who do you, who should I talk to next? Who do you recommend talking to? Well, I don't know. I'd love to see Jeffrey get on here because I think it'd be really fun to hear the original backflip king talk about all of his different style techniques. And honestly, I think anybody, I think it'd be really cool to hear another girl talk too, whether it is Olivia or someone else outside of Maui. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong, but I think talking to Jeffrey would be really cool. Yeah, maybe I'll ask you to connect me with him. Yeah, that'd be great to talk to Jeffrey. And then yeah, yeah, other women too, for sure. I think that's one of the things that that Baltz Miller mentioned that we sh- it shouldn't just be guys. We don't want it to be just like a uh, guy sport. We want it to totally. be inclusive. So that I think that's yeah. why I'm happy to have you on the show too. A lot of people have been struggling during the pandemic, being stuck inside and maybe feeling anxiety and whatever. Has the pandemic have had any silver linings for you? Like something that has there been things that are better than before to you or, or like how has it affected you? Yeah, I think it's an incredibly hard time for everybody. Just the world itself is hurting and that's always really hard to see. But for me, my dad usually travels a lot for work or he did at least before all of this. And he hasn't been just because of everything he's been working from home. So I think getting my entire family home in one place for this long, it was the majority of last year was really special because 
usually we're always running around in different places and different parts of the world and having us all together at home for this long was really special. So I think for me, like outside of the water sports side of things, that was something that I, I found and we were able to make something good out of a bad situation. And that was something I'm really fortunate in the time we've had together. And then I think being at home for this long, that's something that's come out of COVID for me because I had trips planned and events that I was going to do and they all ended up getting um, postponed or canceled. So I think just being able to enjoy this time I've had on Maui, which is, it's my favorite place to be, has also been something I'm really fortunate for. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. So do you have anything that you do to keep yourself in a positive state of mind or any tips for people that are struggling with be, feeling lonely or, or just being in a bad state of mind? Do you, do you have any thing that things that you do or that you can recommend or... Yeah, I think it's something that everybody struggles with at some points, especially with um, everything going on. And for me, it's hard to say because I'm hoping that everybody watching this gets to enjoy the water at some point. But I think for me, like whenever I'm in a bad mood or I'm having a hard time doing dealing with something or I'm just frustrated, if I go and get in the water, no matter what sport it is, even if it's just for a swim, but if I go and get in the water and I'm in my, it's my happy place, if I'm in there, I automatically, my spirits are lifted and I feel better. So I think for anybody who is struggling, if they do have the opportunity to enjoy the ocean, I'd say go and take advantage of that. Or if it's just immersing yourself in nature for me, me being out in nature, whether it is the ocean or it's taking a walk outside or being in a forest or something beautiful. I think that for me is that's my favorite place. And that always like fulfills me and makes me feel at home and at peace again. So I think that's, that would be my word of advice for anybody who is struggling with just get out there right, and be outside. I think that's a good, good advice for sure. Yeah. Awesome. So is there, who are your sponsors or who, who do you want to thank for on the show? Like uh, that who's helping you out and, and helping you as an athlete and so on. I'd like to thank yeah, anybody who's helped me get to the place. I am not just sponsors, but in equipment terms and, and like that, the hydrofoil company and MFC, I wouldn't be able to do any of the stuff that I do without their amazing foils and KT. I'm really grateful for all the support that I've gotten from them so far. And then through Ozone, getting to ride their wings has been really cool too. And getting to work with the Maui crew and then also all of the people outside of Maui through their company has been really special. And then, yeah, for me, like that's, those are my biggest sponsors right now. And I'm really grateful that I've had the opportunity to work with all of them. And I hope that I can continue to work with other brands in the future, but I think I wouldn't be where I am if it weren't for those brands. So I'm really grateful for that. Awesome. So in, in terms of like moves and maneuvers, are you working on anything new? Other, in the beginning, we talked about doing a backflip, but are there any other moves that you're working on right now or, or things you're trying to figure out or learning on the yeah, water? Yeah, I think the backflip for me is my main thing right now. And I, I want to learn it, not just in the foiling. I really want to learn a backflip surfing too. That's a, a pretty hefty goal of mine, but I, when you're toe surfing, you're, you have foot traps, so it makes it a lot easier, but I really want to learn how to do a backflip toe surfing. And then of course, backflip winging and a backflip prone foiling. So I think backflips all around and then, and the winging side of things, it's amazing to see what balls and, and Tetuan and Jeffrey and all those guys are getting up to. I feel like every time I like open my phone and look on social media, there's like another crazy thing that they've accomplished. So <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I'd love to try some of those crazy twists and twirls that they're doing and incorporating, they're bringing the windsurfing side of things into it, which is pretty wild. I don't even know what to call those things that they do, but I'd really love to try a couple of them in the coming months. Yeah. Have you tried to do like the, the spin, like where you turn the board into the wind, like the 360, but it's more like a twist than a, than a flip. Have you tried that? Yeah, I've yeah. actually, I made two or three of them. This was a while ago before winter time. Cause I feel like with the winging now, I'm more spending time in the waves and spending time just jumping and not doing anything like super technical. But I did figure out a couple of those pre-winter time and that was super fun. And I'm excited to kind of mess around with those again and see if I can remember how to do them. Yeah, it's so I've been trying them too. And the first day I tried it, like my third attempt, I actually pulled it off and I don't even know how, but, and then during that same session, I pulled in another one and I was like, oh, I can do this pretty easy. But then that was like maybe several months ago and I haven't been able to pull off another one since then. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. Somehow the wing, I like, I have it too much over my head or it spins too far or something like that. It's like I have a hard time pulling them off, but 
I'll, yeah, you just have to keep practicing. Yeah, yeah. But that's what makes wing floating so much fun. I think that it seems like every time you go out there, you progress a little bit or you learn something new about it. Yeah, yeah. totally. It never gets old being out there. Yeah. All right. So any anything else, any other things you want to talk about or any last words for, for people? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for everybody who's listening to me blab on for this long. I'm really grateful that you've had me on here. And yeah, it was really fun talking with you. I hope that we can meet one day soon. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Annie. Yeah, if you come to Oahu, let me know and we'll go wing, winging together and be Definitely, great. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, for, thanks for coming on the show. And yeah, I'm... I was surprised, like, it seems like we, we've been blabbing on forever, but I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are, that are going to watch the whole thing and want to listen to everything. Surprisingly, totally, it I seems like so. it's like such a tiny part of the population that's actually interested in in this stuff, but very everyone's very passionate about it, I think. So Can't yeah, we're a tight family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Super cool. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. I guess there's no wind Thank today. You. Huh? <laughs> what are your today, plans no. for today? I think I'd really love to surf. I'm going to go see if it's a really bad idea to get in the chocolate water on Maui right now, but I'm really wanting to get in the ocean, but we'll see. If not, I'll probably go for a run or do something else. But yeah, just right now I need to go get the gills wet and get in the water. Yeah, I guess not too close to any creeks or any runoff places, right? Because yeah, it is like over here exactly. too, it's all chocolatey. You don't want to get, yeah. get a lot of stuff open, floating open in the water right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, have a great day, Annie. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Aloha. Okay. Thanks so much, Annie, for being on the show. Thanks for listening and watching. Remember, you can also listen to the show as a podcast on Android or Apple devices. You can just open the app and search for the Blue Planet Show, and then you can listen to it while you're driving or doing other chores and so on. So that's a good way to listen to it if you don't have time to sit down and watch the whole thing on video. But of course, video is the best way because we're going to try to share always images and pictures and video. I'm a very visual person, visual learner. So for me, it helps to have that visual along with the verbal. Yeah. So thanks again for watching the show. Hope to see you next week with a great interview with Rob Whittle from Ozone and Armstrong. Really good stuff in there. So I hope you stay tuned next Saturday. And remember, if you s subscribe to our channel and click the little icon, the bell icon, you'll get a notification when a new video comes up. And if you watch it during the first week, there's no ads. So after one week, we monetize it. So then YouTube starts playing those annoying ads. But if you listen to it for the first week, it's ad free. So that's a little bonus for our subscribers. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to give a thumbs up. It helps us on YouTube. And, and yeah, leave your comments down below. Constructive criticism, always welcome as well. So thanks again, everyone, for watching. Really appreciate it. Stay stoked, get on the water, and I'll talk to you soon. Aloha.